Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. If you are a guest here, we want to say welcome. My prayer is that not only do you feel welcome here, but more than that, we say that you would feel wanted, uh, that you should know you don't have to believe everything that we believe in order to belong. You already belong. You're already family. We prayed for you already. We believe God has something for you. And so we welcome all of our guests in the room and those watching online. Can you guys help me welcome our online audience as well? Man, you guys are just as much a part of this church family. We are in a, uh, starting a collection of talks called Unwrap, because that is my goal, and helping us unwrap in this crazy time of year. How many of you know it's the most wonderful time of the year, but it's also the busiest time of the year, right? You can't drive up Peach Street without you know, your blood pressure being elevated. Well, you can't. I know tis the season to be jolly, but it's also tis the season for uh, irritability and quick tempers and a season that's supposed to be marked by, you know, peace and joy and harking heralds and chestnuts roasting and whatever you do. The reality is for many of us, it's marked by pressure and stress and chaos. And I can speak with all certainty and say, God did not send his son Jesus into the world so we would feel pressure. He did not send his son Jesus in the world to trap us or to wrap us up. He sent Jesus into the world to set us free from all of that. And so this really is supposed to be the best season, a season of joy and peace and love and all of that. And so I want to help us over the next two weeks get unwrapped. All right, get, get from this, out from under this feeling of, of drowning and being suffocated. But the reason this message is going to be a challenge for me because, isn't for the lack of trying on your end. Because we've heard stuff like this before, have we not? I mean, in this season, you know, we do our best to kind of lower our, our stress and, and decrease our anxiety that we have. But there is a lot working against us. Like our world, if you haven't noticed this, it's just offering more and more and more all the time. Things are getting busier and busier. And by the way, you are getting busier as well. I read an article this week that said, this generation uh, is going to work 120 more hours this year than the previous generation did, which means you are working a 13-month year in a 12-month period. Like you're just doing more. We're all just doing, doing more. In fact, in that same article, it said that 80% of all mothers feel an enormous amount of stress. Where my mom's at? Come on, you can testify. And it also said that 70% of those moms said they are sleep deprived. And mom, we need you to take a nap. We need you to nap. We need you to get your sleep because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Now, the truth is, when it comes to unwrapping, you know, stress, anxiety, pressure, all that, what a lot of people are looking for are, are tricks and tips to help cope with, you know, the lifestyle that we've created. A lot of times what we're looking for is, is stress management. Colby, give me some, some stress management so I can do everything that I'm still doing because I don't want to change anything about my life, but I want to be less stressed. And so right off the start, I need to kick this off um, by, by you turning to your neighbor and saying, look him in the eye and say, hey, neighbor, come on, let's all play along. Say, neighbor, you can't do it all. And now turn to your other neighbor and say, other neighbor, I know you were my second choice. Don't be offended. I love you, but you can't do it all. You can't do it all. And that's the reality. You're doing too much. You are trying to do too much. We all are trying to carry and manage more than what we were created to carry. Uh, I don't know if you had ever tried to wrap a Christmas present in a hurry. You know what I'm talking about? This is me, by the way, every Christmas Eve. Like I'm, I'm just wrapping in a hurry, usually about 1 a.m. in the basement because, you know, I've, I've waited to the last minute, done the last minute shopping, you know, for my wife, and I'm trying to hide it down there and make sure, you know, she doesn't know, and so I'm always in a hurry to get that done. Who would say they're a good rapper? Not like a, not like a Beastie Boy rapper or a Run DMC. You're a good rapper? You both are, are good rappers? You want to have a rap battle? All right, two of you. Come on up. Let's go. 
Let's bring it up. Let's hear. We're gonna have a rap battle. Let's see. These guys say they're the rappers. They say they're the best in the room. So I don't know. We're about to find out. I want you to stay right here. I want you to stay right there, okay? And listen, uh, I don't know if you realize this. This is, sometimes we're a youth group for an adult. So just get over it. It's fine. It is what it is. But you guys are going to rap. And we're going to give you 30 seconds to rap. 30 seconds. Now here's the kicker. You, my friend, have the right size piece of paper for the gift that you're wrapping. Oh, nice. And there's no cutting involved, no tearing, no ripping. You, my friend, don't. You're done. 30 seconds on the clock. We're gonna see, are you ready? We're gonna count you down in three, two, one. Let's go, 30 seconds on the clock. We're gonna see who the best rapper actually is. Now what? I said no tearing. Oh, you said no tearing? No, get wrapped that thing. Listen to people. Directions. They don't listen to directions. What happens is, right, when you have too much paper, what are you trying to do? You're trying to tuck it in there. You're trying to fold it in there. You're, you're jamming it in there. You're taping it all up. You're doing whatever you can to try to make it fit. I'll give you five more seconds. Four, three, two, one. All right, clock's up. Good job, boys. That's really, you actually did pretty good. You got pretty far, yeah. my friend, good job. Now I have gifts in here for both of you. You just can't have these yet because I need to leave these here. But can we thank our rappers? Just leave that, no, it's perfect, it's perfect. Just leave it right there. Colby, what's the point? Make it plain. When you have the right piece of paper for the gift, the, the result is amazing. It turns out fine, does it not? However, in order for our life, your life and my life, not to be a mess, like this janky wrapped gift, sometimes you have to start with less. And in all seriousness, this is what some of our lives look like because we have too much. And we're trying to do too much. We're trying to manage too much. We're trying to wrap too much into our life. And the result is we feel overwhelmed. Our life looks, looks like a hot mess. We, and, and can I tell you something? Everybody knows it, too. Your life will tell on you, by the way. Like, if you're doing too much, it shows. Are you with me? And so our goal is not to give you stress management tips in this season, because uh, stress management attempts to say, all right, take everything that I want to do, all my life, all the stuff that I have, and make it all fit. And I'm just telling you right now, it's not going to fit. It does not work that way. You will feel overwhelmed. You'll feel suffocated. You will feel wrapped up. It's the reason that you are irritable in this season. In fact, this, if you're living this way, it's the reason that there are fights happening in the home, and there's this underlying sense of, of just frustration with one another. This will cause you to make bad decisions about your time. This will cause you to lose sleep. Are you with me? And so what I refuse to do is give you five steps to relieve stress or to help navigate this season because it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. In fact, look at this verse in Job. Um, because stress management, by the way, is doable, but how many of you know it's not sustainable? <laughs> you, you can't sustain that that kind of pace, none of us can. And this is what Job says, Job 9.25, my days are swifter than a runner. And I want you to get this runner metaphor in your, in your mind because it's this time of year that we all feel like we're running. Is that not true? Running from this thing to that thing and to the next event and this party and this family and, and all that, we feel like we are running. However, right, my days fly away without a glimpse of, what's that last word? Joy. In other words, my current pace is taking a toll on the condition of my soul. It's taking a toll on my, my joy, on my, my happiness. It, this might be you, you're saying, Colby, well, I can get it. I can do this, man. I can, I mean, you, you didn't do a great job, but I can do this. I can get it all done. I can wrap my, my life up. You know, I'm making every event. I'm making every party. I'm making every Christmas meeting. I'm doing it all, but at what cost? Because you'd say, my life looks like that, I'm getting it all done, but there's not a lot of joy. In fact, there's a lot more frustration than anything else. And so I, I get it, 
And my goal for today is to give us a word that I, I believe can rescue our life and help save our life, but I need to give you a fair warning. This is going to be hard. There's nothing easy that I want to talk about today. This is going to be challenging, and you're going to be, need courage in order to, to do this, but we're also going to need the help of the Holy Spirit to implement this in our lives as well. So let's start by asking a few questions, and the first one is this, why are we so busy? You ever think about, like, what, why are we so busy? I think if we can understand the why, like, then that will help us gain a right perspective. And one of the reasons, I believe, is because we have unlimited choices, is that not true? Like, you have so many choices today. Like, I remember the time growing up, like, I never thought I was going to get to this age where I would say things like, oh, I remember the time back in my day. But I guess I'm that guy now, so it is what it is. But I remember a time when my TV had 12 channels. You might know what I'm talking about? And today, there's like 30,000 channels on your TV. And there's just unlimited options for us. In fact, you throw in Netflix and Hulu into the mix, like there's just, there's options for days. And what I end up doing is I'll end up going on Netflix and just kind of spending 30 minutes looking at what I could watch and end up watching none of it. Just getting frustrated and mad. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Unlimited options. And now with the, the video game revolution, I mean, there's all kinds of options for games. You know what we used to play with growing up? Dirt. <laughs> and Atari. Dirt. Seriously. Like, we would play with G.I. Joe action figures. Anybody remember what I'm talking about? G.I. Joes. We played war, play out in the woods. We, we played in this place, get ready for it, called Outside. I don't know if you knew this, but your house has these things called doors. They're actually pretty dope, and they lead to the outside, and then, you know, cool stuff happens. But outside, that's what we play with outside. It, just unlimited choices. In fact, where you are sitting right now within a mile radius of right here, there are no fewer than 71 different food options, restaurants, that, and things like that that you can go to. And we had an intern count, so I know it's true. Like, we have options on top of options. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're so busy. Another reason is this, social pressure. Because let's be honest, some of us, we are not living the lives we want to live. We are living the lives that someone else wants us to live or that we want someone else to think we're living. Uh-oh. We're living the lives that, that other people dictate. We're living the lives that, and don't get mad at me because I'll... I'll I'll qualify this. We're living the lives that our school systems want us to live. And we love, like that's not a knock on our, our school, that's not a knock on our teachers. We love our teachers, our coaches, our educators, our administrators, food service, bus drivers. We love all of those. But can we just admit the school calendar has gotten extra, like on a, on a whole different level. I'm just telling you. Again, here I go. When I was growing up, back in the day, when I was in high school and we played sports, we wouldn't have practice on Wednesday nights, public school, because they reserved that night for church activities. They used to do that. And today, they don't care about that. It's a fill up every single night with something. In fact, one of the biggest days for wrestling in high school is Sunday. It's Sunday. And so you don't even think about coming to church. I'm just, I'm just telling you, but I cannot um, preach this with any kind of integrity without telling you that churches have social pressure too. You know that, right? There's social pressure in churches. I was talking with a couple of our worship team members that are from Ukraine. I don't know if you realize this, but about four of, uh, four of our worship team, you know, they, they came over when the war broke out in Ukraine. They don't speak that much English and they're getting, you know, kind of... Uh, kind of involved in the culture and they do an incredible job, but they were telling me about the church that they were a part of in Kiev and they would have to go on, on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, youth on Thursday or something, Friday was single adults, like they would lead worship almost every single night or day of the week. The churches can have this social pressure as well. Now we try to do our best to keep things simple and keep it, you know, like, make sure that we are eliminating things that are, are non-essential, like, because we know we can't do it all. But there are some churches, you look at their calendars, and this is like, they do everything. They offer everything. It's almost like the golden corral of churches. Like, what do you want? You want mac and cheese? Well, here it is, under this heat lamp. It's been there for about a week, you know, and you're fine. Just don't worry about it. 
Like, I, I like to think we're more like raising canes. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody like some raising canes? I would say Chick-fil-A, but it's Sunday, and so I know you can't have it. But Raising Cane's offers four things on their menu. And we do about four things. We can worship experiences, our explore track, small groups, and serve teams. It's kind of, we keep it simple because we can't do it all. And we would unapologetically invite you to be a part of our teams, to sit one and serve one, because that's important to us. But I think that's a reason. We have social pressure to do things. That's why we are so busy. And here's one more I want to give you is that we have this mentality that says, I can have it all. I can have it all. I can, I can do it all. In fact, um, the younger generation, and this is not your fault. You've grown up in this world where you can get what you want when you want it. This immediate gratification. And so you have this mindset that, hey, if I want it now, I can have it now. Like you run out of Coke, you can get online and order Coke from Walmart and it will be at your door in like two hours. And that's true. And so I'm just saying we have this idea that I can have it all. But when we falsely believe that we can have it all, look at this stat. Americans will spend on average 117% of their income. Hey. That math doesn't work. You can't spend more than you make. It just does not work. You cannot live at that, that pace. We cannot buy into this lie that I can do it all. I can, I can have it all because that will catch up with you. And can I tell you something? Honestly, when it catches up, it's going to cost you, and it generally will cost you in the areas that matter most. Like what, Colby? Like your family? Like your marriage? Like things will suffer that matter, that are important to you because you have this I can have it all mentality. And again, if your life is out of control, just much like that, that gift, it will tell on you. It will tell on you. It shows. So Colby, what do we do about it? Well, here's what I refuse to do is give you, again, five steps, you know, to navigate the holiday season or be less stressed. The simple truth is you cannot keep living at the same pace. You cannot keep doing the same things. You cannot uh, keep the life that you have because this is how Jesus said it in Luke 17. He said, if you cling to your life, hey, you're gonna lose it. But if you let go of it, that's when you save it. That's when you get it. So honestly, if our lives are going to change and many of us know the reality is they need to change, then it's going to start by, by letting some things go. And so I want to give you some principles that I believe will help us let some things go that I believe out of God's word tell us that there is a better way for us to live our lives. However, I'm not just going to give you principles. I'm also going to give you some practices because great principles alone aren't going to do it. We also need some practices. We also need a way to apply those principles to our life. So I'm going to give you two different lists a principle list and a practical list. We can call these the naughty and nice list. However, I think they're both nice. So uh, I need you to write fast, take a lot of notes. If you're, if you're not a note taker, today's your day to start. God doesn't have favorites, but I do. And those are the note takers in the room. So here's the first principle to write down that we need to buy into. Less is best. In fact, less really is more. Because if you are going to get unwrapped from the life that you have or the life you've, you've been creating, you have to do less. And that's just the reality of it. It's been said uh, that the wisdom of life consists in the elimination of non-essentials. And we all have some things in our life that are non-essential. But many of us buy into this idea that, that more is just better. If I have more, it's, it's better. If I have $1, $2 is obviously Better if I have one car, two cars are obviously better. If I have one Krispy Kreme donut, two Krispy Kreme donuts are obviously better. a warm-up. That's an appetizer. It's <laughs> getting started, people, with, with two. Those things just melt. I don't know where they go. Two is obviously better. If I have one kid, two kids are obviously... <laughs> See, you're like, uh, I'm not falling for that one. If I have one wife, two wives are... Wrong. It's just wrong, people. Loco essay, you can't do that. In fact, on a serious note, uh, do you know why theologians believe King Solomon had so many wives, honestly? is with the hopes that when he came home, at least one of them would be in a good mood. And that's kind of... 
kidding. I'm kidding. Ladies, I'm kidding. We love you. I'm sorry, we love you. Just one at a time though, just one at a time. I know somebody's wife who won't be in a good mood when I get home. I'll prove to you though that we have a lot of more going on and not a lot of, of less. Let me give you some, some stats. These are gonna mess with you. Uh, check this out. Americans will eat out on average in your lifetime approximately 14,411 times. And listen to this, 1,811 of those will be at McDonald's. Just so you know. Um, you're going to spend, check this out, uh, in your lifetime, 13 years and four months watching TV. 13 years. What could you do with 13 years? Like, what skill could you develop? Like, what could you learn to do? How many languages could you learn to speak, right? 13 years? Are you kidding me? 13 years. Listen to this. You will spend, on average, five years standing in lines. That's terrible, Right there, five years. Uh, some of you will spend uh, up to one year looking for things that you have lost. <laughs> and some of you know it'll be a lot more than that. You just lose everything, don't you? You will, you will attend 35 weddings. You will drive 627,000 miles, which is 25 times around the globe. And if you are a young person in this room, don't miss this. You will spend seven years of your life on social media. Hey, time is not our problem. What we do with it, that's our problem. So what are we to do? Well, this is what Ecclesiastes 4.6 tells us. Better, here's a better way to do it. Here's a better way to live your life. One handful with what so many of us are chasing and looking for. Tranquility, peace, contentment. Then two handfuls. And trying to do everything we can, trying to make it all fit, trying to make it all work together, and it's causing toil, and all it is is a chasing after the wind. It's a better way God has for us to live this one handful kind of life. I'm just telling you, less is best, that we don't live our lives according to all the stuff that we can accumulate. No, we, we have margin. We create breathing room in our hearts, in our, in our time, less is, is best. God's economy is very different than the world's economy. Time and time again, it says the last will be first. You know, it says blessed are the poor, blessed are, are the meek, blessed are like over and over. I'm telling you, less, less is best. It's a principle we have to buy into. Number two, write it down. Now you gotta live in your lane. Not someone else's lane. And then you stay out your lane but live in your lane. And that means you have to know what your lane is. And you have a lane. Like that, that, that verse we read, it's the idea of running, that our days are going by faster and faster than a runner. Well, that's fine. Like you need to run. And I believe that. Run for us, run. Like we should be running, right? In my basement, it says run fast, fight hard, finish strong. We should be running. The problem comes into play when you don't know where you're running to. Are you with me? The problem comes in when you are running, you know, and you don't know the goal line. You don't know the finish line. You are running to places you were never intended to run. How many of you remember this? I had to look it up, but back in 1964, this is Jim Marshall, picks up a fumble for the Vikings, runs 66 yards the wrong way, the wrong way. And tosses a ball out of bounds, safety, you know, for the other team, and they have to kick. Now, to his credit, he caused another fumble in that same game, and they scored a touchdown off of it. However, many of you, you are running. You say, Colby, I'm running. I'm running. I'm running. Where are you running to? And if you don't know what the finish line looks like, the goal line looks like, then, then how can you possibly know what lane you are, are living in? No, you got to know. The lane that you have, my lane that God has given me leads to the destination that he has for me. So you got to live in your, your lane. And this is where I'll get a little bit preachy because I don't think you can know what that is unless you know God. I really don't. You need to understand that your life has been created by the creator of the universe, that he knits you together in your mother's womb 
that you are not an accident. No matter who says what about you, you are not an accident. You are here on purpose, with a purpose. In fact, God's word tells us that he, he created good works in advance of you. And so he created something for you to do, and then he created you specifically for that, that purpose. And unless you connect why you were created to the, the, the creator, I'm telling you, the best way I know how to pastor you is when you know why you're on this planet. The best way I know how to, how to lead you, which is why we do Explore Track, by the way. It's happening right now at, at 11.30. Maybe next week you come back and you, you go to a different service time and you show up for Explore, where week two is all about the me I was born to be, where you go over your spiritual gifts kind of test, a personality test, because you need to know how God wired you and created you so you know what your lane is is and you know what the goal line looks like. Why is that important? Because Psalm 139 tells us all the days are ordained for me were written in your book before one of them ever came to be. So God wrote each of your days out, all 29,200 of them if you live to be 80. He's written them out in a book. Did you know that? There is a book of your life. Well, Colby, I didn't write a book. Well, it's not an autobiography. It's a divine biography. And he wrote out every single day of your life. And if there's a book about you, wouldn't you want to know what's inside of it? Wouldn't you want to know how, how God has, has kind of set your life into motion, what he's created you to do? I'm just telling you, you have to figure that out so you can run in that lane. Because if you don't decide with intentionality how you're going to live your life, how many of you know someone else will decide for you? Nature abhors a vacuum. And so you cannot live your life by, by default. You need to live it by design. Make sure you understand why you are on this earth. Uh, so first of all, less is best. Be a one handful person with tranquility and peace and joy and this contentment that God will give you. Then live to, to, to run in your lane, live in your lane. Like don't follow anyone else's plan for your life, but God's plan for your, your life. Here's the third principle. Make every day count every single day because today matters. Today matters. What you're doing right now, it matters. The time you're spending here in God's house, it, it matters. It's, it's doing something in your, your life. If you have a designated number of days, which I believe you do and I believe I do, you know, I don't think I'll see all 29,000 of them, I don't know, but I need to then live my life doing the right things, not just more things, not just stuff. Proverbs 17 says, an intelligent person aims at wise action, at the right things, doing the right things, but a fool starts off in many different directions. You don't want to be that fool. You don't want to be that person that has no idea where you are, are going, where you are running. So what do we do? Well, the first part is we have to buy into these principles. And then the second part, we got to apply them. How many of you know revelation without application just is, leads to frustration? And that's true because you can just be frustrated because maybe you grew up in a church that told you all the ways that you needed to change but never gave you tools to actually change it. And so that's what I love about this church. We are a cookies on the bottom shelf kind of church, like come and get some, right? We want to make sure that what you learn on Sunday actually matters on your Monday, because if you can't apply it Monday, the Sunday didn't count. And I believe that with my whole heart. And so let me give you some, some practices to put into place. I'm going to give you three of them. Uh, they're all going to begin with the letter E. So these are three E's. I almost called this easing into Christmas. But that's stupid. Don't laugh at that. Don't, don't write that down. I almost called it uh, Christmas ease. Equally dumb. So no title, just write these down, all right? Here we go. And the verse that motivates me, uh, and I hope it motivates you too, is Hebrews 12.1. It says this, let us, let us then, because of this, because we know God has a better way for us to live our life, let us get unwrapped. Let us throw off all the stuff that's going to, to hinder and the sin. And I don't want you to get caught up on that word sin too much. It doesn't mean all the just the nasty stuff that you're doing. That's not what that word means. It means that you are not hitting the mark that God has for your life. It, it's an archery term. It's, it means that you, are, you missed the bullseye. And for some of you, you know you're, you're missing the bullseye. Your, your life is aimed in all these different directions and you're trying to do too much. So let's, let's unwrap. Let's get rid of that. Um, 
or you're going to be entangled. And so let us then run with perseverance the race marked out for you. And again, you have one. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you need to understand God wrote a book on your life. And there is a lane you are to live in, and your life will never make sense until you connect it to the God who created you. And so I want to make it practical and give you three E's. Uh, If you like practical messages, you're going to love this. If you're more of a feeler kind of type, come back next week, and I'll get all up in your business. All right, here we go. Three ways to put these into practice. And by the way, these aren't sexy. These aren't aren't tricky. I'm going to tell you these, and you're going to be like, duh, (laughs) duh. But the power is not in the duh. The power is in actually getting it done. The power is in doing something about it. So number one, evaluate often. Write both of those words down. Take regular inventory of your life. You know what they say is if if you ever happen to be in the Amazon rainforest, which I don't know if you'll, you'll ever find yourself there, and you get lost, they say you're to climb a tree and get above the canopy so you can see where you are and what direction you need to know. Go, and can I give you a better truth about what you're doing right now? Like for for many of us, this is climbing the canopy. We're trying to rise above the noise. We're trying to rise above the chaos. We're trying to rise above the frustration and confusion by spending time, you know, focusing our life on what God has for us. That's That's what the Sabbath is about, by the way. That's what you're doing. And so we are rising above all that. All right, God, what do you have for me? What direction should I I go? And so evaluate, evaluate often. Put this practice into place. Take 15 minutes. Even today, after we're done, take 15 minutes and evaluate by asking yourself this one question. Am I doing the right things? The right things. Not just stuff. Am I doing the right things? And if if you're really brave, you... Ask your spouse the same question. Honey, am I doing the right things? And then buckle up. Wait to hear, right? Are you with me? Am I doing the right things? Ask as a family, are we doing the right things? Like this Christmas, this season, with all the stuff that we put on the schedule and the way the calendar already gets filled up, are we doing the right things? Are we doing what we should be, be doing and, and build this practice into your life? And I, again, I think the power of it is to do it often. You need to have this rhythm where you evaluate where you are in, in life because when most people tend to take inventory of their life, it's usually around three events, a funeral, when they are confronted face-to-face with mortality and they're like, all right, what, what is my life? You know what, what happens? A funeral, New Year's Day, right? New Year's Eve resolutions. We tend, tend to take inventory, but also when all hell breaks loose in your life. Then we start to, to ask these questions, but you need to do it more frequently than that. Put this prayer into practice. Psalm 39, uh, 4, it says this, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. I have fewer days to live and that my time is fleeting away. And I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm not trying to be dramatic. But can I just tell you something? You are going to die. Welcome to Elevate Church. (laughs) You're going to die. We all are. In fact, the Bible tells us in Hebrews that it's appointed to man once to die and then judgment. I mean, that's going to happen. You're going to to die. So in light of that, he says, remind me that my days are numbered. In fact, guess what? After today is one less than it was yesterday. So there I go encouraging you again. My days are numbered. My life is no longer than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. So evaluate, evaluate, evaluate often. Where are you? Climb above the canopy so you can see. And with some of you right now, you're saying, well, Colby, my life is pretty good. Well, that's fine for now. But how many of you know things don't tend to stay where you put them? Drift happens. Drift happens in your marriage. Drift happens in your family. Drift happens all over the place. And so if you don't evaluate often, you could one day rise above the canopy and see how far away you are from the actual destination. So evaluate, evaluate often. In fact, extra credit, if you want to write down the name of this book, Wayne Cordero 
wrote a book called Leading on Empty, where he had too much going on. It caused him to have this breakdown in his life. And so he came up with these 12 dashboards of what he was going to evaluate his life on. Things like family and fitness and, and faith and his work and travel, technology, all kinds of different things. And he graded himself in each area. And then he wrote a one sentence on how he was going to improve in that area. And he did it every single month. I'm telling you, if, if, if you want to be unwrapped, try that your life will be better because of it. Is it work? It's absolutely work, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Evaluate often. Once you've evaluated, here's a second one. It will always require you to eliminate. Eliminate non-essentials. Get rid of, of the fluff. And word of caution, this means making hard decisions. Because there are some things in your life, you would even tell me, Colby, I love doing this, okay? But is it the best use of your time? Is it wise? Are you getting wise, making wise decisions on this? Many of us, we are too people-oriented, and we just want people to like us rather than sometimes do the right thing. So this is going to require hard decisions. And for all of us, here's the, here's the thing, like to level the playing field, we all have at least one thing in our life. That if it wasn't in our life, we would live more of a one handful kind of life with tranquility and peace instead of this toiling and chasing after the wind and trying to do everything. We all have, have something that we could let go of. And again, it's going to require difficult decisions. Uh, early on, Kristen and I, we established a rule in our house with our boys because for the most part... Everything that I did wrong like growing up in my teenage years or I got in trouble doing was when I was, quote, unquote, spending the night at a friend's house. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. I'm spending the night, Mom. And so my first drink, I was spending the night. My first cigarette, I was spending the night. My first magazine that I shouldn't have been looking at, I was spending the night. My first, you know, alleged stolen car, I was spending the night. We borrowed it just so to clear that up. But everything I did, like growing up that was wrong, it was because I was spending the night. So when my boys, you know, want to spend the night, but, I, but they're my friends, I want to hang out. It was, it was hard to say no, but we're like, you ain't spending the night. Are you part? You're not spending the night. We won't, it's not gonna happen. We're not going to, to do that. We just decided it's okay to say no to some things. Are you with me? Some of you, if you would, if you would just say no and eliminate some things in your life, you might trade popularity, but you might replace that with some respect. And that, I promise you, I promise you, would be short-term pain for long-term gain. And many of you can testify to that fact. If somebody had said no in your life growing up, and I don't know what that is for you, but it will require hard decisions. You need to eliminate Eliminate the non-essentials. Here's how Psalm 90, 12 says, teach us to number our days, recognize how fleeting they are, right? That we may gain a heart of wisdom. So I need to know what my life's about. And I need to, to make the, the right decisions. I need to know what to say yes to, but also what to say no to. I need some, some wisdom. I need to eliminate some things. Hard decisions. And for some of you, that might mean, hey, you know, this Christmas is tight. And it might mean you getting before your family and say, hey, family, Christmas is going to look a little different this year. Like, you know, for this year for Christmas, you're getting from dad, you're getting me. You're getting time, right? I know you wanted a PlayStation. You're going to play with dad. That's what you're going to do instead. And I'm being serious. It's going to require hard decisions. See, I have a choice in bringing you a message like this. I can choose to, you know, give you something that might just encourage you and you can leave here feeling good about or... I can give you something that I believe will change your life, even though it's difficult. Even though it's, it's hard for us, us to do, it's critical. Evaluate, eliminate, and then here's the last one I wanna give you, and that is execute. Now you gotta get to work and execute on priorities. In other words, you gotta focus on what matters the most. Now hear me, there's nothing wrong with doing things that don't matter. There's nothing wrong with doing things purely for the fun of it. I do a ton of stuff. It doesn't matter. Here's the key. I don't do those first. There's nothing wrong with doing those things. Like Kristen and I, we do things, you know, together. Once we get the boys to bed, we'll, we'll binge watch Netflix. You know, I'm, right now we're watching old Sur Survivor, you know, episodes. I love that stuff. But you know what we don't do? We don't wake up in the morning and turn on Netflix and Survivor. 
Like, we, we do things that don't matter, we just don't do them first. And so you have to, to, to do what, what matters first. In fact, the only message that Jesus ever gave on stress and worry and anxiety, because people were, you know, were, were talking to him about their lives and, and, and the, the, the chaos and confusion, they all felt wrapped up and, and their concerns. He's like, you guys, like if the, the grass of the fields or the flowers of the fields, they, they're clothed, what are you worried about? Or if God's eyes are on the birds of the air, like what, why would you worry about this stuff? Don't you think your heavenly father sees you? Don't you think he knows what's best for you? In fact, he concludes this in Matthew 6 and says, here's what you have to do. Seek something first. You just have to seek first the kingdom of God and then all this other stuff. As you're worried about, stressed out, right? That's when it gets added to you. But this is what you need to do first. Focus on what matters, which begs the question, does it not? What matters? What matters? If I could give you a filter to use to answer that question is with another question. Will this thing matter that you're worried about, that you're concerned about, will it matter when you're gone? Because some of the stress that we have over this season, and I got to get this and I got to get that, with the things that make you mad and irritable and cause pressure, you know, in your relationships, will it matter when you're gone? Like, really? Is it going to matter 100 years from now? Is it, going to, is it going to last? Well, Colby, if that's the grid, then what matters? Well, I'll tell you what matters. God, God matters. Your relationship with God, it matters. Because whether you believe this or not, the Bible says one day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. That's going to happen. It's gonna happen. And for those of you that are hoping it doesn't, you just kind of cross in your fingers. You're just kind of hoping, well, that's not the case. Just because you are hoping it's not the case doesn't mean it's not the reality. I'm just telling you, that's going to happen. You're going to have an opportunity to stand before God, and God is going to, to matter. It's going to, to matter. In fact, Jesus told a story. There's some people that came along. They were putting their, their um, uh, stock in the things of the world, in the earth and what the earth had to offer. And Jesus said to them, watch out, be on your guard against that kind of thinking, against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in all that. In your job or in your, your hobbies or in football or in sports or activities or whatever it is, it does not consist in the abundance of, of those things that you can accumulate, your possessions. And they kind of got a little, you know, out of sorts about that. And said, but God said to them in verse 20, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who's going to get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Are you telling me you don't think God matters? If I can encourage you with anything, like make sure that God is at the top of your list. And I could make a really good argument for the, to say that if he's not at the top of your list, I'm not so sure he's even on your list because God will not take second place. He won't do it. He refuses to be second. He, he's, he's God. And he wants to have that first place in your, your life. And the people, by the way, who have him at the top of the list are the people that don't come to necessarily come to church and check the box. They're the people that confess Jesus is Lord of their life. And so God's at the top of their list. God matters. Here's the second thing that, that matters, people. People matter. Again, people are, are one of the only things that lasts for forever. Everything else that we accumulate and try to carry and try to, you know, we get wrapped up and will burn and will not last for forever, but people will last forever. You are a spirit and a body. Your body is what returns to the ground, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, but your spirit lives forever. And so people last. And so you need to invest in what lasts forever. So if I can encourage you during this season, man, maybe you have some offenses or bitterness, you're holding grudges, like during this season, if nothing else, you need to offer some forgiveness. You need to, to strengthen those ties with, with one another. People matter, serve one another. That's what Galatians 5 says, serve one another in love. 
The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as your yourself. Serve people. People matter. It needs to be the focus of your life. Like it, it matters. And I, I can prove to you that people matter. Are you ready for this? Tell me the last three messages that I preached. You can't do it. And they were awesome, by the way. You should just know. And I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But if I was to ask you, tell me three people that have made a mark on your life, you could do it like that. Why? Because people matter. Relationships matter. Like get together with people. Serve with people. Do something with 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 people that actually matters. We say come serve during our Christmas worship times and we have five of them happening and we we need your help. But serving is not just about doing something. You need to know that serving is is about being something. It's about being known. It's about being pastored. It's about being loved. It's about being cared for. Are you with me? It's about being needed and every single one of us has the need to be needed and known. People matter, people matter. Here's the last one I'll give you, and that is eternity matters. So when you ask yourself, all right, what is it that matters? God, people, and eternity. Because if eternity did not matter, why do we need Jesus? Why do we need Christmas? Why did he need the cross? Eternity matters. Jesus was talking to a a man in Matthew 13. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. It's hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And in his joy, he went and sold everything that he had and bought that field. So what is that field? That's a pretty important field. In my opinion, it's anything that's eternal. It's anything that will will last. That's why I say make the most of what you have been been given. You've been given And, and live with the principle that less is best. It really is. Live, your, live in your lane, the lane that God has given you. Make today count. And then make sure you are putting this into practice by, by evaluating your life, making hard decisions to eliminate some things that you know are not the best, that you're, you're running around with, with two hands full. You wanna be a one handful person so you can have your other hand free to love people, to serve people, to care for people. Just open to have margin, breathing room. And then do what matters, matters the most. Would you, would you do this? Would you stand to your feet? And I don't want you to think, all right, we're done. I have, to, I have to scurry and leave. I believe right now God wants to speak to your heart. If you just bow your head, close your eyes in this just holy moment. And let's just, this might be the only time you do this all December long. So would you just do me a favor and ask right now in your heart, God, am I doing the right thing? let him speak to you am I doing the right things are we as a family doing the right things and if not God what do we need to do differently like what is it in this season God that you've called us to to do who is it you've called us to to be and because of it what needs to what needs to be eliminated and maybe it's not forever, but maybe it's, it's for now. And then what needs to be executed in my life? What priority? And if God, you haven't been the priority, maybe you take an opportunity right now to repent to him and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you weren't the priority in my life. And right now I wanna put you back in that priority position. After all, it's the reason why we're all here. With every head bowed, every eye closed, as you are taking inventory of where you are, like there are some of you, you can't even get in on this until you connect your life to the God who created you and wrote the book on you. And for some of you, you've never crossed that line of faith and said yes to following Jesus, and this is your moment. This is your your opportunity. In fact, the Bible tells us if we confess Jesus as Lord and we believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, we would be saved. We'd experience a new life. If anyone's in Christ, you know, they are, uh, the the old is gone, the new has come. You experience this, this new life, a life of meaning and purpose for here and now, but also a life of eternity with your heavenly father one day in heaven. 
So for some of you, why you are here today is because you need to get this right. You need to begin a relationship, not go to church, not start you know, some religious practice. That's not what this is about. This is about a relationship with God who so loved you. You sent his one and only son, born of a virgin as a baby into this earth, lived a perfect sinless life, was raised, he was crucified for the sins of humanity, raised back to life so that you and I could have new life as well. If that's why you're here today, I wanna to lead you in a prayer that does that, just surrenders your life. Now, if you'd say, Colby, I'm gonna pray that with you. No one's looking around right now. Would you on the count of three, just raise your hand and be bold about it. One, two, three, say, Colby, I'm gonna pray this with you. I need to accept Jesus as Lord and my Savior. Just hold it up, because it's kind of a sign of surrender for you in this moment to say, here I am, God. Here I am. Forgive me. I'm a sinner. I'm going to get things straight. I'm going to make sure that you are at the center of my life. Whether you, you've prayed this prayer before or this is your first time committing your life to Christ. Awesome. So many hands. Put your hands down. We're going to pray this out loud together with you as a church to give you uh, courage to pray. This You can say something like this. I'm just going to help you with language. Say, Jesus, today. Say it again. Jesus, today, I give you my heart. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for dying in my place. I'm a sinner who needs a savior. And so I confess you as Lord and as savior of my life. And I believe God raised you from the dead so I could have new life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on church, let's celebrate. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources to help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate, go to elevatechurch.com give. Thank you for living generously. We hope you enjoyed this message. Have a great week.